welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. I'm Eric Wagoner. Today I'll be reading How Six Made Their Way in the World. Once upon a time there was a man who had mastered all kinds of skills. He had fought in the war and had conducted himself correctly and courageously. But when the war was over, he was discharged and received three pennies for traveling expenses. Just you wait, he said. I won't put up with that. If I find the right people, I'll force the king to turn over all the treasures of his kingdom to me. Full of rage, he went into the forest, and there he saw a man tearing up six trees as if they were blades of wheat. Will you be my servant and travel with me? he asked. Yes, the man answered. But first I want to bring this little bundle of firewood home to my mother. He took one of the trees and wrapped it around the others, lifted the bundle onto his shoulders and carried it away. Then he returned and went off with his master, who said, We too shall certainly make our way anywhere in the world. After they had walked for a while, they found a huntsman who was kneeling down and taking aim at something with his gun. Huntsman, what are you going to shoot? the master asked him. There's a fly sitting on the branch of an oak tree two miles from here. I want to shoot out its left eye, he answered. Oh, come with me, said the man. If we three stick together, we'll certainly make our way anywhere in the world. The huntsman was willing and went with him. As they approached seven windmills, they saw the sails rotating swiftly, even though there was no wind coming from any direction, nor was there a leaf stirring. What in the world can be driving those windmills? There's not a breeze around, the man said. He continued on with his servants for about two miles, and then they saw a man sitting on a tree. He was holding one nostril closed while blowing through the other. My goodness, what are you doing up there? the man asked. Two miles from here are seven windmills, he said. I'm blowing them so that they'll turn. Oh, come with me, said the man. If we four stick together, we'll certainly make our way anywhere in the world. So the blower got down from the tree and went along with them. After some time, they saw a man standing on one leg, while the other was lying unbuckled on the ground next to him. "'You've made things comfortable for yourself,' said the man. "'Time for a rest, I suppose?' "'I'm a runner,' he answered, "'and I've unbuckled my legs so that I don't run too fast. "'When I run with two legs, I go faster than any bird can fly.' "'Oh, come with me. "'If we five stick together, we certainly shall make our way anywhere in the world.' So he went along with them, and shortly thereafter they met a man who was wearing a cap that completely covered one of his ears. "'Where are your manners?' the master asked him. "'You shouldn't drape your cap over one ear like that. You look like a dunce.' "'It's got to be this way,' said the man. "'If I put my cap on straight, then a tremendous frost will come, and all the birds in the air will freeze and drop down dead to the ground.' "'Oh, come with me,' said the master. "'If we six stick together, we'll certainly make our way anywhere in the world.' Now the six came to a city where the king had proclaimed that whoever ran a race against his daughter and won would become her husband, but whoever lost would have to pay for it with his head. Then the man appeared before the king and said, I want to race, but under the condition that one of my servants runs for me. The king answered, Then his life must also be placed at stake, and you and he will forfeit your lives if you lose. When they agreed on the terms and everything was set, the master buckled on the runner's other leg and said to him, Now show us how quick you are and help us win. 
The runner and the king's daughter were both given jugs and set off running at the same time. Yet, within seconds after the king's daughter had run but a short stretch, the spectators could no longer see the runner, for he soared by them just like the wind. In a short time he arrived at the spring, filled the jug with water, and turned around. Halfway back, however, he was overcome by fatigue, put the jug on the ground, lay down, and fell asleep. For his pillow he had taken a dead horse's skull that had been lying on the ground so that he would not be too comfortable and would wake up in time to continue the race. In the meantime, the king's daughter, who was much better at running than ordinary people, had reached the spring and was hurrying back with her jug full of water. When she saw the runner lying asleep on the ground, she was delighted and said, Now the enemy's been delivered into my hands. She emptied his jug and continued running. Everything would have been lost for the runner if the huntsman had not by chance been standing on the top of the castle and if he had not seen everything with his sharp eyes. I'll make sure the king's daughter does not defeat us, he said, and he loaded his gun and aimed so carefully that he shot the horse's skull out from under the runner's head without hurting him. The runner awoke, jumped up, and saw that his jug was empty and that the king's daughter was way ahead of him. However, he did not lose heart, but ran back to the spring with the jug, filled it anew with water, and managed to beat the king's daughter home with ten minutes to spare. You see, he said, it was about time that I really started using my legs. I wouldn't exactly call that running what I was doing before. However, the king was vexed, and his daughter even more so, that a common, discharged soldier should win the race. Therefore they consulted with each other, seeking a way to get rid of him and all his companions as well. Finally the king said to her, I've got an idea. Don't fret. They'll never show their faces around here again. Then he went to the six and said, I want you to eat, drink, and be merry. And he led them to a room that had an iron floor. The doors were also made of iron, and the windows were lined with iron bars. In the room there was a table covered with delicious food, and the king said to them, Go inside and enjoy yourselves. When they were inside, the king had the door locked and bolted. Then he summoned the cook and commanded him to make a fire and keep it going under the room until the iron became burning hot. The cook did that and it began to get hot in the room. The six, who were sitting at the table, felt very warm, but they thought this was due to the food. However, when the heat became greater and greater and they wanted to leave the room, they found the doors and windows locked. Now they realized that the king had devised something evil and meant to suffocate them. He won't succeed, said the man with the cap. I'm going to let a frost come that will put the fire to shame and send it crawling away. So he put his cap on straight, and immediately there was a frost, causing all the heat to disappear and the food on the table to freeze. After two hours had passed, and the king thought they had all perished in the heat, he had the door opened and looked in himself to see how they were. Yet when the door was opened, all six of them were well and vigorous. Indeed, they declared that it would be nice to get outside and warm themselves, for the food had frozen to the dishes because of the cold conditions in the room. The king stormed furiously down the stairs, scolded the cook, and asked him why he had not done what they had ordered. But the cook answered, There's more than enough heat. Just look for yourself. The king saw a tremendous fire blazing under the iron room and realized he could not get the better of the six by doing something like that. So he tried to think of something new to get rid of the unwelcome guests. He summoned the master and said, 
If you will accept gold and give up your claim to my daughter, you can take away as much gold as you like. That's fine with me, your majesty, he answered. If you give me as much gold as my servant can carry, I won't claim your daughter. The king was satisfied with that, and the master added, In two weeks I shall return here to fetch the gold. Then he summoned all the tailors in the entire kingdom, and for two weeks they had to sit and sew a sack. When it was finished, the strong man, who could tear up trees, swung the sack over his shoulder, went to the king, who said, Who's that powerful fellow carrying such a bundle of canvas on his shoulder? Why, it's as big as a house. Suddenly he became horrified and thought, What a lot of gold he'll carry away. So the king ordered that a ton of gold be brought, and all of that took sixteen of his strongest men to carry. But the strong man grabbed it with one hand, put it into the sack, and said, Why don't you bring more right away? This will barely cover the bottom. Gradually, the king had his whole treasure brought, and the strong man tossed it all into the sack, but it only became half full. Bring some more, the strong man cried. These few crumbs aren't enough to fill it. So 17,000 wagons of gold from all over the kingdom had to be driven to the spot, and the strong man stuffed them all into the sack, along with the oxen who were harnessed to the wagons. Since I don't have time to inspect everything, he said, I'll just take what comes until the sack's completely full. When everything was in the sack, there was still room for a lot more, but the strong man said, I think it's time to put an end to this. Sometimes one has to tie up a sack, even if it's not quite full. Then he hoisted it onto his back and went away with his companions. When the king saw one single man carrying away all the treasures of his kingdom, he was furious and ordered his cavalry to pursue the six and take the sack away from the strong man. Two of the king's regiments soon caught up with the six and called to them, You are our prisoners. Put down the sack with the gold, or else you'll be cut to pieces. What did you say? asked the blower. We are your prisoners? Before that ever happens, all of you will soon be dancing around in the air. With that, he held one nostril and blew through the other at the two regiments, sending them flying in every which direction, up into the blue and over hill and dale. Some were scattered this way, others that way, while a sergeant begged for mercy. Since he was a brave fellow, who had nine wounds and did not deserve to be humiliated, the blower let up a bit, and the sergeant came out of it without being harmed. Then the blower said to him, Now go home to the king and tell him, All he has to do is send a few more regiments, and I'll blow them all sky high. When the king received the message, he said, Let those fellows go, there's something extraordinary about them. So the six brought their wealth back home, divided it among themselves, and lived happily until their death. The End The Brothers Grimm Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Download it and share it all you'd like, but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Zipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, grimlunch.org, where you can also leave comments or subscribe through iTunes. And if you're in iTunes, would you mind leaving a review or clicking on stars to give this podcast a rating? 
It helps other people find the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you.